Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We are back for another fantastic episode of Galactica. Actually, uh, my name is Adl Jackson, and my co-host is Jamie Smith. And uh, this week we're doing the. A uh, pretty intense episode, Litmus. Uh, it's written by Jeff Vlaming and directed by Rod Hardy. What are your overall thoughts? Um, like, the title is called Litmus, and I actually did a lot of contemplating on what exactly was the Litmus for this episode. Um, what are your initial thoughts about that? We can talk to it at the very end uh, once we've discussed it, but... Uh, what do you think? Well, you're putting me on the spot. Yes. Because I, <laughs> I haven't really thought about, like, what is the litmus test here? Because mm-hmm. it's really more of a, uh, I'm going to accuse anyone I can think of of being a collaborator or as Jammer says later, like anyone could be a Cylon. Mm-hmm. So what is the litmus test? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I asked the question cause I, I don't know either. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's something to contemplate. And so, yeah, we can kind of dive in, but it's, it's kind of an interesting question because obviously it's in the name of the episode, but like, what is the litmus? What are they litmusing? Yeah. Or did like, they just did it just sound cool and that would call this one Litmus, you know? I almost feel like the next episode should have been called Litmus. You think so? Because the next one is the one with Shelley Godfrey. Yeah. And that's all about, like, Baltar is trying to prove that she's a Cylon. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know, that's more of a Litmus than... Did somebody leave a hatch door open that allowed a Cylon to get in and get some weapons and become a suicide bomber? Like, I don't know. I feel like I, I kind of feel like the name, the title doesn't make sense for this episode. I mean, I, I do have some thoughts on it, but uh, there's a couple, there's a few options. Uh, one of them 
one of them is just uh, the litmus is more of a philosophical question about what's important, which uh, Adama covers uh, at the very end of the episode with uh, in the tribunal. But um, uh, we'll we'll uh, we will think about that. We'll let that simmer and okay. talk about it a little bit at the end. So we open in the corridors of Galactica, and we see some civilians boarding a ship. Just it, it, kind of interesting. It, it's showing um, a little bit of how life has sort of started to take place on the Galactica. You see some civilians walking around. You see the uh, the crew members walking the corridors. Um, in particular, we see a bunch of civilians that um, are wearing suits getting on the ship, and there's one in particular that we don't see their face that gets cleared by a Marine, and then they're walking um, as a group through the corridors, and then he suddenly he veers off to the left while the rest of the group continues in their direction. Can I ask you a question? Yep. When you first saw this, did you recognize right away that it was Doral? Man, back in the day, I think I, I think I did, but I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, it was like twenty years ago. Oh my god. So, <laughs> so old. Yeah. Right. This is this is also around the time, like just on a personal level. I I think I was like, <laughs> I was acquiring the episodes, and and I they had already appeared. They had already aired in the UK, so I think I I was just kind of like watching them a lot quicker, the different flow than they were appearing on TV, and I think I was still getting situated to the rhythm and flow of the show. So mm -hmm. this is actually it's always funny because this episode in my brain is is a, is like an episode two or three for some reason. At least the sequence with Doral, who we see. Like right after they're walking through the corridor, um, we jump to Tyrrell and uh, is getting escorted into like an empty room um, and Callie is like helping him. It's kind of funny to me because I, I wrote down, poor Callie, you'd be weird too if this happened to you. Like we know, <laughs> we know that she's like, you know, later we know that she's in love with him, but she's actually helping him hook up with the his Cylon girlfriend. Yeah. But he, the two of them have their little secret lover rendezvous um, in part of the ship. And it, like, I just noticed uh, that there's a bunch of water there. And again, I kind of go back yeah. to that. So like, it seems like it's tied to, in a visual production way, still tied to the, the water episodes that we've seen before. I'm really curious what this room is supposed to be mm -hmm. because the, keep referring to it as causeway c yeah what's all that water yeah what is the water yeah and, and again like i just i just kind of tied it to like thinking like production like they were like sure yeah but that makes sense from a like trying to remind the audience subtly of something yeah but as a ship as a battleship why is there a room with a lake in it yeah, it, I'm just it, curious. It's like on a, in a practical sense, it doesn't seem like that's where they would keep the water, because <laughs> you would no, and you would think not, it would be much larger than that, you know. And it doesn't look like drinking water. It's not protected from things falling into it. Yeah, 
it's not a swimming pool Mm -hmm. or is it is it a swimming pool i don't know this is why at one point i had sort of floated the idea of doing a podcast on this show with my best friend who was in the navy Mm. because she had been stationed on on battleships Mm um or not battleships aircraft carriers but she has a working knowledge of like the way ships are Mm -hmm. these these big ships like so she i always thought like she would be able to explain something like this i could say like what's the equivalent yeah like what does that mean and she'd maybe be able to tell me but i think it's probably more that you're right this was just a visual reminder to like link boomer and cylons doing things on the galactica Mm -hmm. together yeah it's just yeah to me it was like a i wrote a it's just like a noteworthy visual detail but i don't know how you know how much it works on a practical sense again i don't i think the actual water tanks would be huge and it doesn't seem like they would have a little room that they could walk in and stand over the pool right (laughs) Um, it would make it ripe for uh, poisoning too, which you wouldn't want to do. So that uh, doesn't work. So the two of them are just so giddy and in love. And I wrote in my notes, so I'm so in love with Grace Park. I <laughs> like I haven't felt this way in a while because I haven't like you know haven't watched it. And I'm like I'm like oh man, jeez, I love her so much. Um, we jump back to uh, the corridor and we see uh, the unknown person who ends up being Dural. Um, Colonel Ty spots him and immediately picks up a phone and calls for some Marines to, to come there. He's, su- he's super casual about it. He doesn't confront him, uh, Dural. Then almost immediately, Adama from another section um, spots him and, and Adama's like, not having any of it, and he starts running after after Dural, and then he shouts out his name, Dural, and that's when he finally turns around, and we get confirmation that that's who it is. And then Dural, with this little uh, evil smirk, smirk, smile, um, opens up his uh, jacket, and he has a suicide vest, and mm-hmm. um, Adama kind of rushes toward it, but uh, Ty you know, pushes them to the side and then it blows up. And then we have our opening credits. Were you scared? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't scared that Adama or Ty was injured. Mm-hmm. I figured there were probably people that died. I thought maybe there'd be like a hole blown in the side of the ship or something. Yeah. It's in- it's kind of interesting here just because this is the first time we actually have confirmation or they have confirmation that they made the right choice on Ragnar <laughs> station. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, which, you know, just and again, it just kind of it worked out only because of Baltar's uh, need for self-preservation. But they mm-hmm. they ended up making the right choice. So at least at least that little bit of guilt is off of their off of their consciences conscious is uh not that they had the guilt you know but uh they yeah they didn't have proof yeah yeah, yeah. so now they knew it's for just certain a suspicion yeah i mean it actually it's kind of weird because they took baltar's word as proof mm-hmm. and then it you know here we are 
five episodes later and there's still no Cylon detector and he's like, I can't, uh, I can't make it. <laughs> so like, why, why did no one say, well then, how did you know that that guy was a Cylon? Yeah, well, does, does Baltar say it because he did tests? Was that his reasoning back then? He did say it was because of something. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he did. He because he yeah he kind of went into like the science of it. I took, extrapolated. Yeah. yeah, totally. I I always kind of got the impression more so that it was a con like for the crew. It was just like oh yeah, we can't take any chances. Sorry, buddy. You know. Yeah. And that was that was mostly good enough, and they were willing to live with that. Well, it did all happen in like the first day of the attack. So yeah. By the way, this is like 16 days after that attack, so it's been a little over two weeks and a few days since uh, um, our last episode um, when Starbuck makes it off the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we open back up in sickbay. Adama clearly is dusted up and um, Ty is a little, little, little worse for wear, but their injuries are you know pretty insignificant. We do see uh, one person like burn pretty badly. It's pretty graphics, not the term, but it's you know it's clear this person is burned, um, charred. Yeah, I just watched um, the third episode of Poker Face this morning, mm-hmm. and that has to do with uh, like Texas barbecue. Jeez, mm, and this guy just looked like the brisket that they were showing. Yeah, so. yeah, he was like it was very like it was just blackened. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty pretty, but you know, it, like it, it it you know drove home the point. Um, they confirmed like three three people were confirmed dead, thirteen were injured, and kind of took me back to active act contrition, giving the rundown yeah. of a. Uh, you know, who was hurt in the midst of the explosion. So it definitely was a, it wasn't just like a, a non-incident. People died and um, they confirmed that it was Dural. And then Adama, you know, pretty much from there decides that they need to actually do something about it. So then he, uh, Adama and Ty meet with Sergeant Hadrian so we've seen her in little snippets and episodes prior, but this is this is going to be her, you know, big showstopper. They confirm to her that there are the Cylons are humans or look like humans. I found the scene a little odd just because she would be in the know enough to and like everybody already heard rumors, but she seems so shocked. Well, maybe I don't I don't want to give her a lot of credit, but this is the only scene where I'm going to give her any kind of credit. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's heard the rumors, but this is actual confirmation from her superior officers. Mm-hmm. Yes, they look like humans. She asks a very relevant question. Why did you not think to tell anybody on the ship mm-hmm. or tell anybody in the fleet? And where Adama now is like, how did this guy get through? Well, nobody knew who to fucking look for. Yeah. It's not like anybody had pictures of these people saying, hey, if this guy shows back up, that's a Cylon. It was to the guard who checked his ID. He had no reason to think there was anything wrong with that. So this is all kind of 
Adama's fault. Oh yeah, you, there's another interesting tidbit too. Like they they wouldn't have really known that there were. I don't think that they would have known that there were multiple copies of one. So they wouldn't. So that that is a wrinkle. Yeah. Because he's been sort of operating on Cylons look like humans, but it could be anybody. Yeah. But he he knows there are twelve models right although the show seems to have forgotten that he has that information but yeah he has that information but there's nothing on there that says there are 12 models but there are thousands of copies of each model yeah they they definitely don't uh well it'll be this interesting is their first confirmation yeah that there are multiples yeah and then they'll get another one very soon very soon so Adama, you know, through their discussion, Adama uh, puts her in charge of investigating, um, you know, how the Cylon got to the ship with uh, the explosives that he has. And then um, Sergeant Hadrian is like, you know what, you know what we should do? We should do like an independent tribunal. Um, she wants to be able to like like have more uh, discretion on which way the investigation will go. And I guess, you know, in terms of like, because anybody could be a Cylon, it actually kind of makes sense um, that she could, you know, question all the people that she questions in the manner that she questions them. And because it's on a military ship, she would need that, that freedom without having to Mm -hmm. answer people's orders. But also have the ability to, ask questions and interrogate those that are above her in rank right it it was giving very much like you know um clinton <laughs> trials <laughs> or like was that mccarthyism or whatever like the uh from the 50s mm-hmm. yeah the red scare like that like i you get you know initially watching the episode you could see that it, it probably was going to be going in a direction like that well Rosalind calls it yeah she uh, absolutely does Adama lets her, gives her, kind of gives her what she wants to do. And then uh, there's a little bit of hesitance. And he's like, uh, you know, kind of sets the story in motion. There's a little quick uh, moment where, you know, Ty's leaving and Adama thanks him for saving, basically saving his bacon. Um, you know, they're friends. And I, I, I thought it was so funny because, you know, Ty answers by buttoning up and saluting mm-hmm. um, instead of them like hugging it out and showing love, showing each other love. <laughs> it, it felt a little like toxic masculinity or something. I don't know. Yeah. Very <laughs> like the buttoning up his jacket a little bit and like saluting is almost like oh, I did it because it's my duty. You know, you're my, you're the commander. I'm going to save you. But also like, you're my best friend, so maybe instead of defaulting to military stuff, you say, of course, you're mm-hmm. my best friend. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's it's like, in a way, it's cute. I think that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's the only way he knows how to express himself. He's very uh, stunted emotionally. Um, yeah. As, as we will find out with his uh, soon-to-be uh, mm-hmm. impending... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Hurricane Ellen yeah. is on, on her, her way. way. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we cut to this kind of, I, it's always kind of a weird 
it's like it, this scene stands it always stands out in my brain but it also always feels kind of weird where um so Tyrrell catches uh Callie um Succinus is his name is the and um, Succinus and then um mm-hmm. and then we have <laughs> and Jammer sure. welcome Jammer f that yeah. guy <laughs> I have some I have some stuff to say about Jammer a little bit later, but uh, same. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's so he's so young and just you know fresh faced and just so eager, like a little puppy almost. So anti Cylon right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh Jammer. Um, but they're making uh, some kind of uh, ship swill <laughs> distillery in the in the tool room. I called it hooch. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's basically what they were doing, right? Uh, yeah. And then um, Chief comes in, they're basically making toilet wine. Yeah, they're making toilet wine. Yeah, and then with like all <laughs> these like some kind of contraption that they've made with uh, pipes or whatever. And then, anyways, Chief comes in, and they're all scared. And Chief's like, you know. Uh, I'm so ashamed of you, kind of. He makes them, he, but he he kind of lets them off the hook and is like, I'll show you how to do it better if you go get me some copper tubing and some other stuff, some CO2 scrubbers or something. And, and they're yeah. all, and they're all happy, you know, to see. And so it's like, you know, Chief, Chief's one of the, one of the guys, basically. You just can't be one of the guys when you're the boss. Right. And I guess it's, uh, I mean, that's one of the, um, now that you know, now that I think about it, that part of this the reason for the scene is to establish his relationship with the crew, because the yeah. again it definitely plays into um, some of the scenes that come later. Yeah, I think in the past you had talked about like your relationship with uh, Caprica, and how in your memory it doesn't it doesn't feature as much in the episodes as you thought. But I think this episode actually we we do get a good bit of. Caprica scenes, at least more than we've had in the past. Yeah, this episode we get more than one. <laughs> yeah. I think we get three, at least two. Yeah, I understand why they like sort of peppered it, you know, very sparsely because if we went a whole episode without seeing the progression of Hilo and Sharon and what's going on there, it might feel to a new audience of a new show like it was dropped mm-hmm. so i get it i also don't think i would have wanted like an entire episode of their whole story like we have to see that you know time is passing but i just remember it concluding a lot faster and i guess that's because i basically watched all of season one in like one weekend mm-hmm. so even though I've rewatched this show a few times and I always, it's sort of a binge. So I watch like two or three episodes at a time. So it always goes really fast. Mm -hmm. Like suddenly we're on COBOL and Starbuck is back on Caprica and she found Hilo and sees that Sharon is there and is like, she's a Cylon. Like, that all happens really fast in my memory mm-hmm. because I watched the show so fast. I mean, my initial viewing was weekly, so and I for this for our this podcast that we're doing, I'm trying to I'm sticking to that, so I'm watching them one a week, so I'm still having that same experience of of timing, I think. Mm-hmm. 
This is really interesting, though, this part of their, this portion of their story, because we're seeing what the manipulation is a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, what the Cylons are trying to do here. Yeah. We see Sharon working with them. Yeah. And she's, like, totally with them. Like, there's no, there's no, any kind of hesitance or, like, there's no heartstrings, like, making her feel like she's going to try to help him or save him or anything she's right very manipulative yeah she's like this is a mission there's no choice of who her where her loyalties lie at this point Mm -hmm. it's still i'm playing a part i'm carrying out a job you know oh if he goes north then my tactics have worked if he goes south then they haven't and they're like if he goes south he's dead yeah and there's a little flash on her face of, like, maybe she doesn't want that to happen. I do like that Six is like, he's very handsome. Yeah. And Sharon's <laughs> like, he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I just like how he was sitting on that, like, the little fire escape thing. And uh, it just gave me, like, uh, 80s video vibes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's sitting he there. He needs to, like, take that flight suit off and just be in the tank top if we're gonna do real 80s vibes yeah he's just he's just like he's just he was sitting there on the on the fire escape and like you could the lighting is like you know light like the nighttime blue and he's just Mm -hmm. like what am i gonna do and in my head i'm like is this love that i'm feeling (laughs) that's what (laughs) That's the music I hear in the background. Um, White snake? (laughs) Is this love that's keeping me up all night? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, they, he kind of gets up and they, he either needs to go north um, to go to a spaceport, I think it is, to get off back off the planet or a south to go back to where um he thinks sharon is no it's the other way it's the other way okay he will yeah if he goes north that's the direction there he knows there has been cylon activity and so that's probably where she was taken yeah and south is to the spaceport yeah so yeah so they're testing him um if he chooses the wrong one he will be killed so we're very scared for hilo at this point. Mm. Terrified. Um, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so we get back, uh, back on Galactica, um, and Adama is on the line. He's reporting uh, about the bombing to Roslyn and asks for um, help in search for Cylons. Roslyn is very concerned about his decision to set up an independent tribunal. Um, she talks about um, her 20 years of political experience, and she's come to, she says she's come to expect they will always find someone to blame no matter what. She basically is like, that way leads to witch hunts. Yeah. She says, you know, they're, they're going to demand someone is held accountable. Um, she just, like, she's giving all of these reasons why, like, it's it's really about... In the situation that they're in, especially when it's uh, sort of like this public forum, it's more about people getting their pound of flesh than justice being served, which is actually really interesting because, you know, there's a a huge legal 
moments the later in season three um that kind of uh, kind of contemplates this idea and they actually they double down on everything being legal and law based instead of this uh the version that we have here mm-hmm. yeah she i mean they do they use the word witch hunt here i know they use it later i think she says it okay she says I can't, I don't know the exact line, but basically this leads to witch hunts because they're always going to find someone to place the blame on, even if that person isn't guilty of it. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happens with Chief, even though Hadrian is not on the wrong track, technically, she's going about it in a way like a dog with a bone like i've decided chief is the one Mm -hmm. and i'm not gonna let that go that's that's what it is yeah i mean it's it's so interesting because like you just said uh she's not on the wrong track literally in my notes i i wrote like she's definitely good at her job and on the right track and you know um but i also wrote right after that in caps but we don't like that (laughs) <laughs> it's right track wrong reasons yeah we're like as the viewer we're like hey back off back off of our people you know she basically is like chief did this on purpose mm-hmm. and with no evidence whatsoever that he did this on purpose and that's where the problem lies if she was like he did this it was negligent that's different yes it kind of reminds me of um, those uh, the trials with uh, Hillary Clinton and that embassy. What was it called? Are you talking about the Benghazi? Yeah, the Benghazi trial? thing. Yeah, so the the Benghazi thing was interesting to me because there was such a there was from the like the right Republican side there was such a uh, they wanted to frame it as intent, but it's just kind of what you were saying. It's like, like if anything, it would have just been negligence, not necessarily intent, but they were so dogged on trying to show the intent um, of evil doing that it was kind of off track. So it's like, you have to kind of stick to like what the evidence is actually showing you. And, and again, it's like what, um, Rosalind says it just ends up becoming like, you know, like a witch hunt. Yeah. And like, I know this is getting ahead, but later when Hadrian calls Adama in, she's not wrong in her line of questioning of if they had known that Cylons look like humans, would this have happened? Mm -hmm. And he knows she's right. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, no, we're done here. Yeah. Like, I'm not admitting guilt because then she's going to try to throw me in the break. Like, no, we're done. This is done. This is a witch hunt. And, like, you're not wrong, Adama. It is. But she's not wrong either. We'll talk about it a little bit more. I think, though, that it was more... I don't know. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess it, there's these, I think there needs to be a little bit more context before I like start talking a, a little bit more about it. But... uh so anyways, uh, so Hadrian is, uh, starts her investigation. She starts talking to the deck crew. And, you know, again, I write, she definitely is good at her job. She's on the right track, but we don't like that. And they all are giving sort of like 
uh, different versions of where Tyrrell was, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. will come back later. Um, you know, because they 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 weren't uh, aware that they needed to get their story straight. Um, so they, but they all have an instinct to cover for him because they all know that he's hooking up with Sharon, and that's kind of like the. I think that's the impetus of of you know them like thinking that they need to lie in the first place. I think so too. They're they're covering for him because he's doing something he was told he's not supposed to be doing with a superior officer. It's yeah. against the rules. Yeah. So they you know, all these conflicting cover stories will eventually put Tyrrell in the line of fire. Poor guy. But like I said in a few episodes before, like he kinda he, he kinda asking for it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Love makes you do all kinds of things. I, mean, I, you, I listen. I wrote multiple times how much <laughs> I like. I know what's going on, and I still would like. I would go. I would go try to find Sharon. I uh, like knowing what I know. I still would try to find Sharon. I would still would lie for her. She's just. She's like her Cylon wiles are working on me. So. <laughs> um so we get to uh rosalind is holding a press conference on colonial one and she announces there's a going to be a tribunal that'll be independent that'll deal with all the stuff and she finally tells everybody the so the whole fleet finally knows that they are uh cylons that look like humans they show photos of Doral and Leobin. And also, as she's talking, um, we get, like, snippets of people around the fleet. Like, we see Starbuck, who's still in sickbay, is listening. Um, the crew is listening. And I love how they have little transistor radios that they're listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all kind of taking notice. Um, and... When she says the fleet, or the they you know they have a shot of Boomer and Boomer and um, Boomer and Tyrrell have this look like you know because she still freaks out when the idea of her being accused of a Cylon comes up. We also just like has nothing to do with the plot, but we uh, we're introduced to uh, kind of in the background. You see, I just note just from episodes that come up later, uh, we have a reporter, um, her name, I looked her name up and her name is Playa that, um, we see some episodes later. So again, it's just like, they always like plant seeds of, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, storylines that are going to play out. She doesn't, I don't even think she has any lines in this one. She might ask a question. I'm not sure. Is that the blonde one? Yeah. The blonde one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like a huge thing, but it's like, it is a plot point for, uh, a few episodes down. Well, it's like I have a friend who worked on ER. Mm-hmm. He was um, in the later seasons. He actually was Scott Grimes's uh, stand-in. Oh. <laughs> and he told me that they'd had almost entirely all the same extras mm-hmm. since season one. Because they wanted it to look like a working hospital. So you would see the same people, like doctors and nurses, walking around. So there were people who worked on that show as extras who had been there. This was like season, I don't know, 13 or something. Wow. And they'd been working there the whole time. They were just considered part of the team, part of the crew. They were always in there. And they always played like, you were a nurse, you're a nurse. Mm Mm-hmm. 
um, so that if anybody noticed background people, you were seeing sort of the same people every week, year after year. And so that this made me think of that, like they're gonna, they have such a small group of citizens now. There's only so many humans. So these reporters, whether we ever get to know their names, are going to be the same reporters Mm -hmm. every single week if we see them. So I I like that. Like you might see her in the background and maybe she wasn't anybody until later when they needed her. But like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, her. Yeah. That reporter. Yeah. That was also, again, it goes back to the what I think is the DNA of BSG is – Deep Space Nine, and that was one of the things I loved about that show and Battlestar Galactica is just like the huge cast of characters that you see in the background, and you just kind of like mm-hmm. start to like certain people, you know. And sometimes they would get like more no- so note- noteworthy that they would get an episode or they would get a higher profile. So that was always fun. Um, but yeah, it makes the whole world feel more lived in. Where this was done poorly was on Lost. <laughs> When they decided that Nikki and Paolo had just been there the whole time and we were seeing like flashbacks to like them being in the background when other things were happening with like Jack and Sawyer or whatever. And I was like, uh, nah, I don't buy it. I have no comment on Lost. (laughs) I don't often say negative things about Lost, but the Nikki and Paolo thing was not good. And I will leave it there. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there because I don't. uh, I can already feel my blood pressure rising, so I don't want to. Well, that's just ridiculous. (laughs) Woo! All right. Uh, So during the press conference, uh, the sergeant walks onto the deck. Uh, she has two Marines in tow and she wants to take Boomer and Tyrrell in for questioning. You know, a, <laughs> good old Crashdown jumps to, like, steps. He, I actually liked how he kind of stepped in, um, you mm-hmm. know, because he's like the higher ranking um, officer. And, you know, Tyrrell kind of throws that out there. And I actually wrote, he's such a good actor, uh, just kind of knowing the range of characters that he plays it's just so funny to watch him play this version of crash down in this scene versus how he mm-hmm. plays him in other scenes hadrian uh you know kind of gives her reasoning for why she needs to take them and crash down backs down and um boomer and tyrrell are off to the inquiry room in the room um uh you know, Boomer's being questioned on the stand, and we see the tribunal judges. Um, she says during the time of the bombing, she was asleep in Iraq. She's asked if she was engaged in a affair with Tyrrell. She denies it, and she doesn't know where Tyrrell was when the bombing was happening. I like her answer to, did anyone see you in Iraq? And she goes, I don't know. I was sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a shifty style on that one. <laughs> yeah, Tyrrell's investigated next. Pretty soon, we kind of learn that um, he's suspected of uh, collusion with the Cylon. Um, I wrote, like, things are starting to come to light. Um, we're, like, actually getting closer to the actual truth, even if, even if he wasn't necessarily aware that that's what mm-hmm. was happening. That's kind of what was happening, right? 
collusion might not be the word because it implies intent, but in effect, that's what's uh, that's what he was kind of involved in. And I wrote, I mean, he did collude. That's what I wrote <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> Unintentionally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I wrote it. Like, I mean, I mean, he did collude. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when I want to talk about how terrible Jammer is. Um, <laughs> I feel like that we should. There would be so much to say about Jammer. Later. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go into a lot, but there's so, there's a few things that he says that are really like. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, you, you guy, like, yeah, yeah. Like, what do you have to say, Nazi youth? Yeah, like, so he, they, we go back to the, we go back to deck and Callie, um, Jammer, and and how do you say his name? Suck, Sasinus. Sasinus. Um, he, uh, they're arguing about the inquiry, and <laughs> Jammer, uh, believe. <laughs> oh. Jammer believes uh, Tyrrell's asylum. And he actually is right. I know. I wrote that too. I was like, I mean, he's not wrong. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, actually, actually, he's right. <laughs> right um, answer, wrong way to get there. Yeah. Which seems to be a common theme <laughs> about this episode and a lot of them, actually. But they, you know, they have a debate about it, um, kind of like discussing everything. But there's a couple things he says, and I'm just like, he, he was like, you know, every man for himself, he says, you better watch your backs. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, oh, jammer. Well, you, he doesn't change that tact. Yeah, you you showed us who you are in this moment. Um, yeah. And he actually is a very, I mean, to me, he was a very likable character for the most part um, till we, you know, till he makes a pretty, uh, pretty stark decision much later. It's just funny. Every man for himself. Uh, yeah, you definitely are all about that guy. <laughs> I think that's why it's so upsetting when it comes to light later. Yeah. Because he was so likable. Yeah. Because we'd known him for so long. Yeah. Yeah, and the writers and, writers knew what they were doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're back in the uh back in the inquiry. Um Tyrrell's asked to explain um what he was doing. She outright accuses him of leaving this door open yeah on purpose and says that the cylon accessed the weapons locker using an actual code and you have an actual code and he's like so did the marine that he killed and he could have made him open the locker before he killed him which is probably what happened so my slow brain, um, at first when I was, I, in the, earlier in my notes when I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, how would, how would Drawl even know to get on the ship? And then I was like, oh, this is, this is what the whole investigation is about, you idiot. Like, so uh, at some point, um, Sharon would have been in communication with that Drawl, perhaps? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing that kind of like, made sense to me of how all of this could have actually worked. But again, it's nothing that, uh, it's, it's left a mystery, but that's the most logical thing. 
right? So his log suggested the hatch uh, it was locked, but it was actually open. Um, Hadrian explains that Marine Guard had been found dead in the weapons locker. Then Cyril starts to be like, oh, I think I was, uh, I've been framed here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and he, he confirms to the tribunal that he does have access to the locker. I wrote <laughs> the questioning starts. He starts to realize it's like it's coming down on his head. And <laughs> but then I wrote he's lying on the stand because <laughs> they start asking him about like his, you know, his relationships and all that other stuff. And he's just basically like, where where were you at this time? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And, you know, he's he's definitely lying. And I don't know. That puts him in a moral quandary, at least from the from the position of me the viewer but we also you know know that he again he's not uh, there's no intent on um, any sabotage or collusion so he's just kind of like trying to navigate this awkward space he's in he invokes his right to remain silent which she says makes him look guilty yeah so i was just about to say he eventually buckles down and he you know basically pleads the fifth their version of uh, uh the 23rd article of colonization Mm-hmm. And um, and I actually wanted to talk a little bit about that just in terms of like they hold to I've just kind of noticed with this episode, I I noticed how they they hold to the ideals of the colonies um, pretty tightly, you know, as the as they've progressed. And I, I looked a little bit into like the history of the 12 colonies and I kind of realized that the colonies were at war with one another until the Cylons uh yeah I read on. that too yeah and so in a way it makes sense because that's it's like that idea of holding to these truths that are self-evident Um, (laughs) is they they kind of recognize that as actually the thing like literally the thing that's keeping them alive that has kept them alive because it is kind of keeps them unified Um, and they have a very real reason (laughs) why they should why they should be unified so do you have any like you have any thoughts on that idea or about them sticking with the laws that have been in place for at least the last 45 years. Yeah. Cause I, that, I think the thing that struck me was just like it, when I, when you first hear about the 12 colonies and you don't really know about their history, you just, I just kind of assumed that, you know, that it had been around for thousands of years or something. And, you know, they just, they were chilling, but yeah, they've only really been like unified for, like not not that long in a relative sense um so to yeah. be so dogmatic not dogmatic but to be so like it, like we know we gotta we gotta have elections we gotta do this it just it seemed to be more heightened realizing that they had been at war seven whatever 75 50 years ago however long the first silent war was the first silent war was like 45 years prior i guess the majority of these people have only known these articles though mm-hmm. you know like adama and ty probably remember previous you know they were probably fighting one colony or another mm-hmm. back then being capricorn 
but this is, you know, for for most of the people, this has been the law. So it it's not that surprising that like we're sticking with what we know right now. Mm-hmm. It's been sixteen days. Yeah. Why wouldn't they stick with what they know? It's not time for anarchy yet. Yeah. I think it's tied for me, it's tied a little bit into that, I guess, the idea of whatever the litmus is. Right. That's why it's kind of like noteworthy, I think. Well, I still am questioning what exactly is the litmus. I started to go down this path of, uh, you know, like, like who who are we? And, and that's, a, again, it's a question that comes up all the time with the show, like, who are we? But in the specific mm-hmm. sense, uh, the way that Adama, Adama handles the situation, he actually, like breaks the rules in this situation but he actually adheres to an ideal by doing it i think so hadrian uh hadrian moves on and she starts uh interrogating Sasinus. um and he starts to you know he starts to crack <laughs> under pressure and he finally kind of takes it on like he kind of realizes that like the the heat's gonna fall on chief he doesn't want it to fall on Chief. He believes Chief's innocent. So basically, he just kind of cops to, uh, like, he puts himself on the chopping block. And he says, it was me. It was just me. Kind of says it over and over. Yeah. He falls on Chief Tyrrell's sword. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we head back to Caprica. And Hilo is packing up, getting ready to leave. And this is when, um, should I stay or should I go now? Started playing in my head. (laughs) I had a lot of songs on this episode. Apparently. (laughs) 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 And he starts to head, uh, toward the spaceport initially. Then he kind of, he stops and he thinks about it and he turns around and starts to head to where he thinks Boomer might be. And they start, um, so um, on the rooftop, uh, Doral, uh, Boomer, and Six are watching. And they, I think, I think Doral mentions something about like, what is love? Six is, you know, Six is like kind of surprised, but Boomer says like, he's a good man. He always does the right thing. You know, we, I think we we talked about that. I mean, in our first episode that Hilo is kind of like that guy. He's like he does the right thing, but he kind of does it with heart uh, more so than yeah. uh, than Apollo does. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's made his choice. It saved his life. He doesn't know it, um, and he also has fallen clearly under the wiles of uh, Grace Park. I also wonder if some of this is just his, like, I can't leave her to be tortured and killed. She came back for me. Like, I know Hilo loves her. We know that. Mm -hmm. But I think that him making this decision to go find her isn't just about that love. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, in his mind, she left Galactica to come back for him. Mm Mm-hmm. And he can't just go leave her to be killed. Right. He needs to at least try to find her. If it turns out that she's already been killed, well, then then I'll leave. Yeah. But I have to know. Yeah. Yeah. He would potentially do that for anyone else on the ship, no matter who they right. were. Uh, yeah. Definitely. But also, 
he loves her. Yeah. I think in this case, it's it's sort of like the, the piece of it is, um, it's not like... It's not like he saw her be captured and he knows. So it's just like she's just kind of like gone and he's just wondering. And I think that that's the piece where the love part comes in. Um, But yeah, definitely. If it's almost anybody else that would be down there with him, he might potentially make a similar choice. He's just questioning. He doesn't really know what to do, you know? Yeah. And There's this whole thing with these... Cylons where Six, you know, she's commenting on how handsome he is and Sharon is like, he he's a good man she knows that he's falling for her like she knows that this is working and it reminds me of how did you ever read the recaps on television without pity? No. So the guy who did the recaps these recaps were like pages and pages and pages and pages long he i swear that they must have been like 10 12 pages each mm-hmm. week he always referred to the number eight model especially boomer and athena as demand love because her motivation so often was driven by love and for whatever reason that like stuck with me like with six it's all about sex mm-hmm. And that sort of sexual energy that she sort of leads with, which we'll see more of next week. With Boomer, it is often, or with the number eight model, it's often motivated by achieving love, feeling that from somebody being loved. Mm -hmm. And I always found that interesting. You know, Leo Bin is all about this sort of mysticism and this has all happened before and it will all happen again. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, once we meet the number one model, he's a little bit more about control. Al Calavici. That's from from Quantum Leap. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, uh, I don't recognize that name, but I'm talking about Dean Stockwell. Um, They all have these sort of built-in trait of like a driving force Mm -hmm. or many of them do there's some of them where i I can't really pin down what number five which is doral what is his motive his like defining motivation or number three which is deanna hers i think is information seeking Mm -hmm. like finding out answers Mm -hmm. you know like they all have this thing and with sharon it's love Mm -hmm. so they they picked a, the right Cylon to try to sort of be the honeypot, even when, you know, Boomer doesn't know she's a honeypot. Yeah, I, you know, something I, I always kind of noticed, I did, I never, I never saw that about uh, Sharon in particular. Um, I always, I always read, I mean, they kind of mention it a few episodes later, like she just, she was always kind of like the twitchy broken model, <laughs> I think. Um, that's kind of why they think that she might have like started to make the choices that she made. She might've been a little too unstable or something, but, uh, for Leobin, I was going to talk about this in a, a, in the, in the Leobin episode. He, he, yeah, he definitely is the mystic, mystical one, but I always kind of see him as like a, 
like a a burnout hippie, <laughs> um, which I love. Uh, and uh, and yeah, and it, um, Simon is he's like like he shows up as a doctor, right? And he kind of plays this um, space of uh, I, don't know, I wouldn't say being a healer, but he he almost feels neutral in a lot of ways. Like when we see him. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how like knowing how we know in the long run, um, like how these models were created, it kind of makes sense that they would be made to um, explore different aspects of humanity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. But I love I love that about Sharon. I never really never really thought of that or saw that. I just I think I'm just so enraptured. You'll probably start picking up on things like that information has been in my brain pretty much as long as I've been watching this show because I once I realized that Television Without Pity was covering it, I went back and like read all of the recaps from, you know, the first season up to the second season where I was currently. And his insight, like the way that he analyzed the show, some of those ideas sort of stuck. So when I watch Sharon, that idea is always sort of in my head and I start seeing things that she does that like goes back to that like love thing. She wants to be loved. She's driven by it. She's motivated by it. Even even when we when we get boomer back you know she's a little more angry Mm -hmm. but the lack of love is still there like she's a little jaded about love because you know Tyrell broke up with her and Callie killed her and they just all moved on with this new share and she's a little pissed about it but it still factors in later, later, later when she and Tyrell sort of reconnect. Her final choice, now that you mention that, her very final choice is about that, really, about wanting to yeah. be loved. It's in a sort of like a different, mm-hmm. not uh, not necessarily like romantic love, but it's definitely like, um, you know, the desire to, to make good, um, to be loved by Adama and... Um, her not child. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, huh. Mind blown emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so Gaius and Starbuck, we're in sick bay. Oh, yeah. Um, have a really awkward <laughs> sequence between them. Kind of like Gaius is like, like sick bed flirting with, uh, Starbuck. Um, she's the uh, Starbuck is recovering from her leg. He's kind of, it's weird. Like he's he picked the wrong time to have the Riz, I guess. Um, Starbuck brings up something really interesting and it's that, um, she asks, starts to ask him, it's like, so you're like, you have this secret project, right? And he's like, Oh, I can't talk about that. Um, but then she's like, yeah, it's on, you know, it's on sea deck and that's where the bomber went. Do you think the bomber was coming to destroy, <laughs> destroy your lab? <laughs> yeah. And Baltar like 
the shift <laughs> in Baltar because he's like he's all about self preservation, right? And he kind of realizes mm-hmm. that. <laughs> He's like, uh, I gotta yeah. go, I gotta go. <laughs> gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Nice to see you. Hope you, hope you feeling better. Yeah. Uh, guys, like, I'm in danger, girl. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, so his instincts, like, gotta be safe. So he's like, you know, he's kind of freaking out. Um, he ends up heading down the hallway, and then um, Head Six makes an appearance. Well, she's there in sick bay. Yeah, that's right. The way that he's interacting with her in the in the hallways and people, you know, it's kind of like you know people could see him acting weird and like what's up with this dude. Yeah, and that was that was a pretty big feature of the first season with him and Head Six. He has the idea to destroy the Cylon detector, but she's pretty again. I, I mean, this is my this might be like the third or fourth episode in a row. The fifth, where she like gets really angry, pushes him up against the wall, and yeah. is like, "No, you do not, you know, do not do that." Well, and he's like, "Why would they be coming after my my work when you told me to do this?" And she's like, "I'm just in your head. Mm-hmm. They don't know about me." Yeah, and this is the, this is another uh, place like uh, separate from her where that's when I started to put it together that um, Sharon would have told Doral about it because she knew in other scenes that they because they had talked about it right just when they were playing cards and stuff so she could have uh, told Doral and then that kind of set that whole thing up. Yeah, I mean he was cagey about it. But yeah, she, you know, so she's like, hey, like she may, maybe not knew specifically, but she's a Cylon. Like her Cylon part of yeah. her would have, you know, been like pretty savvy about all of that stuff. So she gets a very, uh, she, you know, she's very uh, uh, six. Um, she, she tells him to complete the project. What do you think her motivation is? Because she's really angry and she's like, like has him by the throat and says that. She tells him not to make her angry. So why does, if if she's not a Cylon, like your idea of her is that she's a guardian angel. She's guiding him to make a Cylon detector. More like a spirit guide is what I would term it, yeah. But. So what is her, why does she care whether they destroy his work or he stops doing it like what is her end game with this cylon detector so i have two sort of thoughts on the matter and i'll have to like preface part of this because i'm really adhering to watching the episodes um weekly that my memory about the next few episodes the details are are aren't as sharp um so i'd have to kind of watch them to kind of like kind of put it together but even when it comes to like the idea of the um, the nuclear weapon, the warhead, um, mm-hmm. we know that that comes into play much later in season two. Uh, uh, with the Olympic carrier, um, with Dural in the miniseries. There's all these things that actually sort of like need to happen for the story to flow the way it does. And I think that she serves that purpose. 
Um, and she communicates it to him in a way, only in a way that he will understand, which is like, that's why she forces him. Like she gets really angry and kind of forces him to do those things. That's like one take of it. But then there's another aspect of that, which is, I don't really think that they really thought that very much well out (laughs) at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, they were just kind of playing, you know, they were kind of playing it the way they played it. And we only really get more context um, as they sort of figured out, exactly what was going on much later so that's that's sort of like my take on it um which is really i don't know that they they really knew it works better with her being a cylon actually um just because it sets up some of the stuff that happens and i think it sets up some of the questions and things that happen in the next episode and then i know the episode after the tie me up tie me down is directly about the cylon detector um so anyways i think it just kind of again i'm gonna have to watch those episodes uh but i think when it comes to the cylon detector it pushes boomer into making some choices and actions much later when she goes in to be tested. Um, did I answer that? Uh, did I pass that test? I, <laughs> I don't know. It's not a pass. No. <laughs> like I don't, as many times as I've watched this, I don't know in this instance, what her motivation is. Later on, when her motivations become more about, like, there's this baby coming, and it's our baby, which also I have questions about. But, like, she has a plan. It's not the same plan that the Cylons have. Right. And I'm not sure – I'm not sure who – like what where her motivations always come from yeah and again that's why it for me it's that she they're not making the choice that they need to make for this outcome to happen so i'm going to step in and some gently nudge or forcefully nudge um them to to go to make that choice that's sort of like the idea of what a spirit guide would do It'd be like they would hang out, watch over you, um, and then, you know, you uh, kind of like show up to give you signs or something to make a, a certain decision to send you down a path that you need to go down to learn a lesson or whatever it is. So that's kind of what, I mean, that's, again, that's why how I see her. And then after watching the return of Starbuck and going more into the that whole, you know, back in the OG Battlestar Galactica and Mm -hmm. remembering there was a whole race of like beings of light and that's what they were they were like messengers and like where they were actually they were actually there to not only um, have the Galactica make certain choices but also the people on earth to make certain choices so um, that's that's where I'm kind of with that and head head Baltar actually (laughs) Like, they're both, like, you know, they were, like, a duo. Yeah. We're back on Caprica, and so they need to make it convincing that uh, sh- that Sharon was captured. Yeah. And so, so Six and Daral, like, you know, start beating her up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
I, I read, I had a little bit of like Caprica, just like I, this is me adding to the scene, but I had a little bit of a six being like in a certain way being jealous of of Sharon and that like they, there was like there was like there was actual vitriol in the punches. Yeah, she was it enjoying did, it, it a little too much. Yeah, yeah. Like they, it's it's like she is hoping that Sharon will fail. Yeah. There's there it felt personal. <laughs> yeah, Dural and Six, they they went in. They went in on her, man. Mm-hmm. Got to make it look good. Yeah. You know, Sharon would fight back more than this cuz she was like, yeah. "Is that good after one little punch like split her lip?" It's <laughs> like they're like, "No." <laughs> Uh, and in any mob movie or something like that, whenever that happens, there it always is like a personal, like no, we gotta we gotta really work you over, you know. And they almost always like actually hate the other person. So yeah, I definitely think that there was some of that going on somehow. Um, so uh, we're back on Galactica again, and Adama is um, talking to Rosalind uh, over the wireless, so she's on. Um, she is on Colonial One, and um, they're talking about uh, Sosinus's, uh admission of guilt. Rosalind believes his admission points towards collusion. Um, the, she thinks it's uh, more on Tyrrell, though. Mm-hmm. And she actually, again, like she's you know, in a way, she's right. Not the collusion, but like she, she's on she's on the right track ish as well. Yeah. But Adama's, you know, Adama's like, no, that's not true. And he he makes a really great point, which is, like, he says the chief knows enough about the ship that he could have taken it down a long time ago by himself. Mm -hmm. So because of that, he's not, at least he's not, like, actively colluding to destroy the Galactica, which makes perfect sense. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Like a... The interesting line is she's like, you know, she says, like, you sound like a lawyer. And then this is the first time we hear that he, that Gadama says, you know, my father was a lawyer. Yeah. So, again, little little tidbit that we're going to come back to much, much later. And then she talked, they talk a little bit about, um, she asks about him, um, you know, taking the 23rd article. Uh, Adama is like, that's not an admission of guilt. Right around then, the guard, uh, some Marines arrive at his door, and so Dama hangs up uh, with uh, Rosalind, and uh, almost immediately he knows what this is. Mm-hmm. Like he just has a look of, I, like he's, he, I'm not playing. He knows, and he's just like, all right, let's go. And he's being called to the tribunal. Then back on, we go back to Caprica. We're back in, this is like the third time, third or fourth time we're in Caprica mm-hmm. again. This is um, crazy. We spend so much time here this time. So Hilo's searching and he sees some pigeons flying or birds, I assume they're pigeons, um, and kind of alerts him to this warehouse and he goes to, goes in to investigate. When he's in there, he sees, he's like in the rafters like Spider-Man or something. He sees a... Uh, a Cylon dragging like a covered body and uh, he engages with the uh, with the Centurion 
who doesn't really like is not really fighting too hard yeah <laughs> uh and uh ends up shooting the Cy- uh, cylon in the head and it falls down on him hilo pushes it off um i just i mentioned that just because like you really get a sense of like the weights of those things actually in that scene um even though the cgi wasn't like for maybe the best but it was pretty good for 2004 tv yeah but uh uh he uncovers the uh, takes the the hood or whatever is off the person and it's Sharon and um oh my god I found you he rescues her so romantic yeah and they limp out of the warehouse together yeah I'm watching from afar uh, not that far and... right there in the warehouse yeah right, yeah right there in the warehouse watching there's like uh yeah five and six and... Hilo's uh peripheral vision needs to be checked yeah <laughs> that actually kind of re- that actually reminds me i wanted to bring this up i think it was in act of contrition when they were in the the bunker or whatever and the a cylon walks past like a glass yeah wall <laughs> and like like, he's right there. Like, the Cylon should have seen him. Like, you know. Anyways, it was funny. People's, uh, maybe peripheral vision's not uh, too good in that reality. Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. They probably shouldn't be flying. So, right. <laughs> maybe, that's why, maybe that's why Maybe that's why Hot Dog couldn't stick his landings. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. When he's helping Sharon up, I have this really weird note because i noticed the shoes that they wear oh they look like (laughs) yeah i call them i call them colonial anders air ones (laughs) because i was being clever because anders is a pyramid player right um yeah he's like you're like yeah yeah they're Um, so ugly i don't want them associated with anders (laughs) (laughs) yeah Anders is cool. He's a cool dude. I will have a lot to say about him, especially in the fourth season. Uh, good stuff? Uh, yeah, behind the scenes stuff. Like, oh, why okay. they made decisions that they did for his character. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I feel like he was a happy accident. That's how I think of it. There was um, a, definitely an accident involved. But we'll get there eventually. <laughs> oh, okay. Ooh, this is. Yeah, I'm in the edge of my seat <laughs> for for sixty more episodes. <laughs> for like two and a half years from now, we'll have that conversation. Yeah, like oh my god. <laughs> okay. Um, so, anyways, we're back at the tribunal. Um, this time, as Adama's on the stand. And she's like, she's like going in on the questions. She's like super aggressive. I wrote, I wrote, slow your roll. <laughs> this is her like Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, she's just like she's just hard, like hard pressing of it. Um, you know, Adama, Adama knows what's going on. Like the way he answers the questions, it's great. She gets down to you know down to like um, like did you know that they were in a relationship? And uh, you know, Adama's like, yeah, yeah, basically, and like, and how could you allow it to continue? And he's like, because uh, I'm a soft touch, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> 
And then we get to the point where finally Adama is just like, I've had enough. He sees that it's a witch hunt and he says, we're done here. And he shuts down the inquiry. Just like that. One of the um, people in the tribunal is like, this is an independent tribunal and you have no authority over when it starts and finishes. And he, his response basically is like, you know, um, I mean, he says it to, I think, I don't know if he says it to the room, but I think he says it to Hadrian, but it's like, you know, you've lost your way. Yeah. Whatever we are, we're better than that, you know? And I think that, you know, that's one of my answers to, to what the litmus is, which is basically just kind of, I don't know, just kind of like seeing, like seeing seeing who we are um and again the the show is always so gray when it comes to certain things and it's like trying to find it like tries to find a moral truth even if that lies outside of like what a legal um truth is because like legality is not always moral I, i would argue that it's rarely moral but sometimes it's informed by morale <clears throat> sometimes it's informed by, by morality but uh not always mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes people can hide behind legality um, so that they don't have to make a moral or ethical choice. Just in my view, that's what this was about. Even though they were kind of doing, they were going down the legal path and he did overstep by shutting everything down. It's almost, it's also, it's almost like they, he, it was like the choice the right choice that he made for the soul of the ship or the fleet. Is that? Yeah. Well, she was basically saying that she thinks that, that Boomer and Chief were involved with the Cylons, that they did this deliberately. And he is like, nah, we're not, we're not doing this. Mm -hmm. Like there's no proof of that. There may be circumstantial situations, but you're talking about accusing good people of doing terrible things on purpose. She's not accusing Chief of being a Cylon. She's not accusing Boomer of being a Cylon. She's just saying that they willfully and knowingly allowed a Cylon on the ship to be a suicide bomber and and Adama is just like no we're not doing this you are grasping you're you're making a narrative out of crumbs you've got little pieces and you've decided this and what authority do you have to to fill in those spaces and make this story when it isn't true even though it's kind it's it's not true they didn't do it on purpose but they were the reason that it was possible he actually gives a reason why a little bit later in a scene mm-hmm. with Chief, but the like so Chief like when it comes to this um when it comes to this trial, like Adama is basically shutting it down because he like he's already stated before, like he like he's certain Chief is not. Like what whatever however compromised he might have been, he's like pretty certain that chief Tyrrell didn't do anything on purpose and he so he that kind of like that's why he's shutting it down 
Um, he knows it's going down a wrong path, but when there's a scene a little bit later with just Chief and um, Adama, Adama basically is like, "Like I need you. Yeah. <laughs> like without you, this like we we ha- like basically won't have a fighting chance. It's like you know you you uh, I need my planes. You keep my planes flying. I need my planes to fly." And he doesn't really say it in a cynical way. It's more an authoritative way. Yeah. But it, it, it's also like a get your act together moment yeah. as well. Because in that scene, if we can skip to that, yeah. Chief hears over, because of Rosalind's press conference, he hears that Sosinus is has been arrested for negligence. He's guilty of negligence. He left this door open. Silent so was able to get in. And and Chief is like, he's a kid. He was protecting me. And Adama's like, yeah, I know that. But either way, he's guilty of lying. He either lied about one thing or he lied about the other. But he lied mm-hmm. to protect yeah. you both times. One of those things was a lie, though. And mm-hmm. you, he says, you're the most experienced non-commissioned officer that I have on this ship and you keep my planes in the air and I need them flying. And that's the only reason that he's protecting him. It's not out of any kind of loyalty. It's like we're in a war and I need my ships flying. Mm -hmm. And if he had allowed this tribunal to continue, she would have found a reason to find Adama guilty too, because she went down that line Mm -hmm. of questioning too. Yeah, yeah. You knew that Cylons looked like people and you let everybody stay in the dark about that. And we had our water tanks blow up and now we had a suicide bomber. And if if you had done your job in informing the fleet and it, at the very least the security team on this ship, it could have prevented both of those things. She's not wrong about that. Those are true things. But where she wanted to take this would have led to Adama in the brig. And then what? Ty? Ty running the ship? Or Ty gets arrested too because he also knew. And then... Yeah, we, and, we know Ty won't we play that. <laughs> and then what? We're going to take down the president too because she also knew and didn't tell the fleet. Mm-hmm. Like, where does this end? It had to be stopped when yeah. he stopped it because otherwise she was not going – she was not going to stop. She was on a power trip. She finally had some say and he and she wasn't going to let it go. Yeah. And it's like where – so where does this end up basically right. was – which is where Adama saw and Rosalind warned him about. Um, and so he pulls the plug – yeah, and he, he tells, uh, like back to that back to that scene in the in the tribunal. Um, he orders her to uh, go back to her quarters, and there's a scene with the uh, one of the uh, guards. Uh, you know, has a moment where she's not going to let Adama leave the room. Uh, I think Hadrian Hadrian orders the corporal to arrest him or detain him or something. She orders the um, the Marines to force Adama back to his seat. Yeah. 
<laughs> Adama stands next to this really tall looking yeah. fellow. And you, you kind of see how short Eddie almost actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's looking up to him, but that makes it even more powerful as a character that he is. Um, and, you know, make your choice, son. Um, yeah, it's basically and, like uh, which one of us is the commander? Who's, whose yeah. authority are you going to follow? And he follows Adama. Yep. And... She's confined to her quarters, and we never see her again. Yeah, that's true. She's, she's. Uh, I, I assume she stays in her quarters for the rest of the show. <laughs> um, and she might be uh, also sitting in those same quarters. Might be uh, like a Judy Winslow from Family Matters, uh, Tori from Saved by the Bell, <laughs> and um, the uh, older uh, Cunningham brother, Chuck Cunningham. Chuck Cunningham from Happy Days. Right. I think they're all sitting. They're all sitting <laughs> in that same room <laughs> with a Sergeant Hadrian, and we never see her again. <laughs> Maybe she got off the ship when they found New Caprica. She was like, "Yeah, fuck this." Yeah, <laughs> she is a super random. She was in a. Uh, there was a show called Hawkeye um, back in the early '90s that she was on, and I kind of was, I was rewatching that show um, like in the last year or so. And I was like, oh, my God, that's a – she was just in one episode. And I was like, I remember her. She's from – she was from Galactica. Anyway. Um, so we go, we go back. Uh, Rosalind is holding a press conference um, where she announces to the rest of the fleet, like, gives, like, the PR version mm-hmm. of, uh, of what happened with Tribunal. Um, it's actually, you know, they – the like just go back to, i'm going to go back just a little bit all of these all of this suspicion that they now um kind of established like and with uh what hadrian was actually doing kind of like assuming like anybody could be a cylon and she was kind of approaching it that way is actually some it's kind of planting the seeds for stuff that they're going to actually like deal with in the next few episodes they they get really suspicious and paranoid around each other i think they kind of play it more comedy actually now i think about it in that episode but they do they play it a little more for comedy and tie me up tie me down yeah and tie me up tie me down which is i remember uh, we'll we'll talk about when we get there but i i remember him ron moore saying like they actually were trying to make that they were trying to do different modes of telling the show and i think that's the last time they tried to do comedy (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah they uh she gives all of the uh the results to the fleet and like in a way that kind of keeps them uh i think satiated Mm -hmm. and uh then we you know we go over the uh the scene with uh tyrell and adama and uh he Adama basically, you know, tells him his like Tyrrell's punishment is he's, he's going to have to live with knowing that Sosinus is uh, in the brig and it's because of him. Yeah. And he basically, you know, because he couldn't couldn't <laughs> I, I can't do my Adama, my Adama voice. You couldn't keep your fly zipped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so the other line he says, uh, I like how Adama's in there working on his little ship yeah. that he has that doesn't make it through the rest of the show. But he goes, uh, you know, somewhere in there is truth. Care, care to take me to it? I love how he delivers that line. He's so, it's like he knows, but he's letting Chief kind of, you know, like he's basically giving the Chief the rope to hit so the Chief can hang himself with it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, Tyrrell is like, you know, all right. Like, I, I, I royally messed up, and I, I got to start making things right. So we end up back in that uh, the room that we kind of started in with uh, Chief and Sharon. Uh, Sharon enters, and she's – or no, uh, Chief enters, and Sharon is, like, ready to make out again. Like, just this this woman. Um, <laughs> uh, but Tyrrell's just like – like this can't happen again. This is over. Um, I'm responsible for you know, this guy being in the brig. It's all on me. We can't do this anymore. Absolutely. And he breaks up with her. Well, at first he just says, "We're done. We're over." And goes to leave, and she's like, "I, I deserve more of an explanation than that." And that's mm-hmm. when he goes into the fact that Sasinus basically fell on the sword for him and that their relationship isn't worth ruining other people's lives. <laughs> knowing where he, knowing like all of the stuff that happens later, uh, like, like with him, <laughs> I, I wrote, man, you broke up with her dude. So you like, you just need to let that go. <laughs> but you know, the love, the heart, the heart is uh, a lot more complicated than, uh, than, than that yeah. for, for some of us. So before leaving, he asks her, though, once that, that conversation's kind of through, he asks her one more thing. Like, did you leave that hatch combing open? And she gets pretty evasive about it and angry and basically doesn't give an answer. She says that he has the only answer he's going to get. Yeah. Which is what? <laughs> yeah, he, he is never going to know. She's not going to yeah, tell he's never him. Gonna she's, know. If he's asking the question, it's because he suspects her, and she's not going to give him an answer. Yeah, he's not. They're not dating anymore, so she doesn't. He doesn't have a, a right to know. Yeah. <laughs> and scene. Yep, that's the episode. So yeah, it was a. It was um a lot more. I mean, I always remember it being intense, but it was a lot more intense than I remembered. Um, I know the last episode I was talking about it and I think I was a little bit more like thinking it was a little bit more breezy, but it definitely was not. It kind of, especially with the, uh, the courtroom scenes, like you said, it was like, um, you know, Al Pacino <laughs> on the, <laughs> on the stands or, or, or what I mean, not Al Pacino, um, uh, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson on the stand, yeah. So, so um, I have a couple of bits of trivia. First thing is that Sasinus was originally set to be killed off in the miniseries, but his death scene was cut from the final version. So hmm. they were able to bring him back. Oh, nice! Got him some more, uh, some more money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Litmus was devised as a cost-effective episode that would compensate for the deliberate overspending on the season one premiere. A trial is a good way of saving money. Plus, it's a good dramatic a dramatic device. Notes Ronald D. Moore. Absolutely, absolutely correct. Because uh, season three is this season three? Those that trial. Yeah, well, I'm, that's like peak TV. You know, <laughs> for me. So he also says correct. it was an opportunity to put Tyrrell and Sharon in the crucible and tear that relationship apart, especially after what happened in Water. We figured mm. there had to come a point where the relationship was untenable and had to fall apart, and this felt like the right moment to do it. Interesting, you used the he used the word crucible since it's this is around like witch trials mm. and stuff too. Oh, yeah. yeah, 
So those are the two main things that I noted for this episode. Cool. So, yeah, we're, I mean, it's starting to, like, I think for me the the show is laying all the groundwork for the the amazing groundwork for the super amazing stuff that happens later and they're doing a pretty good job of uh you know kind of getting us engaged with with uh the people on like an emotional and interpersonal level so that's my big takeaway from the episode what about yourself my big takeaway keep putting me on the spot Uh, there's no (laughs) correct answer (laughs) i i like that it continues to sort of move things along and it does that it does it in these sort of big ideas so we Mm -hmm. get a we get movement or break with tyrell and boomer and now she doesn't have she doesn't have any cover so if if her like cylon programming kicks in she doesn't have someone that's going to cover for her now and we know that like Mm -hmm. nothing is like hinky happens again until she shoots adama you you made a great point because this kind of when she's this is i guess she starts to really spiral as sharon after this yeah because she really starts like questioning herself and doesn't have anybody that she can talk to there's nobody here she can trust because hilo's gone and chief is not talking to her anymore so you know we see sort of a the downward spiral with her we've got crash down would be so oblivious he wouldn't be able to right (laughs) he wouldn't be able to fall for her (laughs) and otherwise like we start to see that like Rosalind and adama are trusting each other a little bit more so you know that that's moving a little bit forward um, I like this episode. I I like a good courtroom drama, even though this wasn't quite courtroom, but I do like that. And I like that the stuff on Caprica also seems to have some momentum. So it's like, it's not like a placeholder episode. I don't feel like, I feel like, I don't feel like there's mm-hmm. any of those at this point. But, you know, there's other than a, Cylon suicide bomber there's not like a big set piece here it's just it's all character stuff and it it sort of moves everybody's character a little bit forward there's no lee in this episode like Uh, at all yeah huh Huh. just realized that interesting he was doing there's no d either when an artist sneaking around (laughs) (laughs) oh man well, I know how you feel about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my questions like was Baltar the worst this week? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I mean he wasn't the worst, but he was kind of, I don't know, he was typical Baltar to me. Like the the when it's like when he realizes that he was like <laughs> in danger and all of a sudden it was like Oh, I got to do something. I didn't really respect that very much, but he we didn't really see him enough to for him to I don't think to be the worst either. He he would have been if he'd been given the opportunity. I'm yes. Sure. Yeah. Uh who has full colors? 
That's a tough one for me, actually. I actually thought about it a lot, and I, I mean, I guess I, I guess I'm gonna say Adama in the end, if he's the means of of uh, finding out what this litmus is, <laughs> the results of this litmus test. He's the one that kind of like determines what it is. So mm-hmm. he ends up being the moral to the moral center for the episode. Okay. I would say, even though he's being manipulated, it's Hilo. Mm. He he did the right thing. He didn't abandon who he thinks is Sharon to mm. torture and death. Yeah. Who would you throw out the airlock? Jammer. No, I'm just kidding. Uh... <laughs> I was going to be like, Callie. <laughs> <laughs> Callie you know, didn't do anything this episode. I don't want to. I feel bad because I don't want to. I don't want to say Hadrian, but like, and it kind of, you kind of watching this episode and after the conversation we had about the last episode, like having her be so like unlikable and like dogish about mm-hmm. her pursuit. I, it's like I, I kind of like I'm like I'm softer on her now, <laughs> you know. I don't want to. I don't want to be like, oh yeah, you're the worst. But she kind of was, you know. Um, yeah. But I'm actually, I'm actually going to say Caprica Sharon at this point. I'm going to say that. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm gonna say Caprica six. But it's not Caprica six, but that six. Yeah. She she just needs to like get her shit together. Why are you so <laughs> jealous? What's your problem? Why you I, hate her so much? Yeah. Like she she went to town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed Head 6 as she and Baltar are leaving Sick Bay. She turns around and gives Starbuck this look. Hmm. So this jealousy thing seems to be a model specific trait. Mm. I did Six not notice. Can't deal with. I was looking at her white dress. Actually, <laughs> that's not a lie. <laughs> well, she turns around and gives Starbuck this look. This like, I don't like you. Okay. Look. Um. So, who's this week's favorite Cylon? Um, my favorite Cylon, <laughs> my favorite, I was going to say like, uh, be like cute or something and say like, uh, Tyrol, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not giving that, I'm not, I'm never giving that designation until we get to that part of the show. So they're, they're mm-hmm. never going to be on, uh, they're never going to be on there, but, um, <laughs> I'm going to say six because of her white dress. <laughs> I'm going to say Sharon, a.k.a. Athena, later, because Uh she takes quite a beating to be convincing of her mission. Okay. Your your designation is way more valid than mine. Mine is so... (laughs) Uh, Okay, so new thing. Where can people find us? Where can they find you? Oh, I don't share my Twitter account. <laughs> um, <laughs> we do have a show Twitter account. I 
really have not um, done all that much posting. I did post on it today to uh, share the image that you made for last week's episode after last week's episode posted. That is... Man, this whole thing had to lose load. Okay. Our Twitter account for the show is a very clunky handle, but it was the best I could do. It is at GalactActPod. So G-A-L-A-C-T-A-C-T-P-O-D. GalactActPod. GalactActPod. Yeah. Um, is that it? You're, well, I'm not sharing my personal Twitter account. I don't you're need... Gonna be... I don't need randos tweeting at me. You're on the run from the Cylons. <laughs> and hiding. It's cool. Also, we have an email address that is galacticaactuallypodcast at gmail.com. You can email us if you have suggestions or questions or comments about the show. Also, I would ask that you find us on iTunes and rate and review our show there i don't know if you can do that on spotify or not i don't think you can but, no. okay no. it really helps um for people to find us if we have ratings and reviews it sort of pushes us up in the algorithm so we would love to hear your reviews let us know how we're doing so for me you can find me in a lot of places i'm doing lots of different things um, so I have a, uh, audiobook podcast called the first Noel Chronicles, um, where it is a reading of a novel fantasy novel I've been doing. Um, that is basically what, uh, it's like Lord of the Rings meets Christmas. Um, I have just done some re-recordings and releasing them now. And it has, a um, with the production company that I've been working with, uh, so we just released the prologue and we'll be releasing chapter one soon. Um, there's a Patreon for that as well. If you want to find that, it's uh, First Noel Chronicles. Um, and then I also appear on um, monthly on a podcast uh, called Podcasting After Dark. A uh, subsection of that is called TV Obscura, where we go over um, like obscure TV shows or cartoons. We kind of switch off back and forth each month we're going to be doing um wrestling coming up really soon um right about the time i think this is released that'll be out and i uh my socials uh you can find me at the armageddon on instagram i have facebook authors page that's the same name you can look me you can find me under adlo jackson and uh, probably forgetting something. I do want to give a shout out to a friend. Um, her, um, her name's Erin Gilmer, and she uh, has a podcast called Manic Movie Monday. Um, she's been really great on giving us shots out, so we want to give her some love back. Um, have a big, uh, great podcast group hug. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's where you can find me. And uh, we really would love to have your like thoughts and questions. I really want to. I'm curious about. Uh, I get questions from some friends that, as we've been doing this podcast, about what do you think about this or that. So I'd like to actually have sort of like officially get some of your thoughts out there, and so we can cover some of those in our next upcoming episodes, especially when we get into like the really juicy stuff that's uh, coming up uh, a little yeah. bit down the road. So. Um, if you want to hear anything that I did previously, I can be found on the Unspoiled Network. I 
covered Lost, Doctor Who, The Punisher, we did Band of Brothers, we started The Vampire Diaries, but did not finish it, but that was fun while it lasted. Um, I also was a guest on some random episodes, but Unspoiled Network has a ton of different shows, basically anything that you might be interested in they probably covered a little bit of it or all of it um it's a really fun network it's where i used to do most of my podcasting so all of those episodes are up i don't think anything i was involved with was behind the patreon paywall so if you're interested in my thoughts on lost which you should be because it's a great show hmm. and i love it hmm. <laughs> uh, or my very <laughs> My very serious thoughts on Band of Brothers, uh, of which I did a ton of research about, you can find me there. <laughs> Lost. You and I will never talk about Lost. No, we won't. <laughs> it's such a good show. You're so very wrong. Anyway. <laughs> uh, hey, remember when we did, uh, we did Andor? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we started Andor and never finished it. We never oh, yeah, finished we it. Also, did cover the entire season of Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was called Kenobi. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that, that was a shining achievement where I changed Diallo's mind about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Did you change my mind? <laughs> I think so. My mind changed. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, we did that and Andor, we didn't finish. Um, yeah, but... I never posted Andor because we never finished it. Yeah, it's a but great show, it's a good show. It's a hard one to discuss, I think. Yeah, it was a hard one to discuss. Yeah, and uh, other people were doing it much better than we were, so I kind of personally was like, I'm never going to be able to talk about it in the way that some of these other podcasts have managed to i had a lot of uh thoughts about it that weren't in line with praising it so i kind of felt mm. it, it was a tricky one for me because i actually do think it was probably one of the best shows of last year but i had a lot of i had a lot of things to say <laughs> about it um but they didn't really lend itself didn't really lend itself to like I don't know, a lot of rousing discussion either. So yeah, yeah, but here we are now. Here we are. Um, Past the red line on our way to. <laughs> we're not even on our way to Earth at this point. We're just like, nope. yeah, we just we're like we're still like leaving the Cylons, but like we're just pretending we have somewhere to go. Yeah, so we're on our way to Cobalt. Yeah, they are. They they're not necessarily. They don't. They're not going to COBOL yet, though, right? They're just, yeah, they're just kind of like. They just, they'll, they, they happen upon it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. So next week is Six Degrees of Separation, also known as No More Mr. Nice Guyist. (laughs) I forgot that line. It's like the best line ever. I forgot about it, too. When he said it, I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. They were really. really Really good writing there. They're really trying to be more, a lot more comedic at, at that juncture. Uh, <laughs> that actually, there's some really funny stuff in that episode. Yeah. Uh, I think if they, when it's put in for levity and not uh, 
it's not a farce. Mm-hmm. They do it really well. Not yeah. to say that Time Me Up, Time Me Down is not done well, but that is much more farcical than mm-hmm. than Gaius fighting for his life, basically. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. Do you have anything else you uh, want to drop on us? Or No. We're good. All right. So what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya. listening to the Geekscape Network.